Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. Um, the worship team is just going to hang out with me up here because I'm trying to get on the worship team. David won't let me, so these guys might. Uh, no, because I'm only a small part of this. I mean, David's got a, a short sermon here or a message here at the end of the service. But some of us elders had felt and been feeling for a while that communion is, is a part of worship. And, and, and if, there's, if, you, if you do any kind of church history, and I am by no means the best at church history, but I will give you a little bit. Years ago, I don't know, several hundred years, I would guesstimate, uh, the, the, the communion table, the table, as, as many, many theologians and teachers talk, they call it at the table, would be the centerpiece of the church, centerpiece of the gathering, if you will. When you came to church, whether it was great or small, it was, it was right up there. And some of us maybe even grew up in different traditions and churches that had that. And, and you would see that's the focus is the communion. It's you meeting with God through his, his, his sacrifice, right? The blood, the, the, the blood, the body, right? Those things. So we kind of were thinking about it. And Andrew, he's not feeling well today, so I'm kind of filling in for him. But, and David, both had, had felt the Lord's leading this week to move communion like we tend to do here at Cobblestone, which there's nothing wrong with. We tend to do it at the end of service, and we thought, you know, as elders, we oftentimes are asking the Lord, Lord, what is pleasing to you? Jesus, what makes you happy? The most happy is, is, is our prayer. And so David and, and Andrew, and I kind of got in on this conversation, and they were like, hey, they both felt at different times, let's do communion right after worship. Let's make it in front of teaching. Because somewhere in that church history, they started moving the communion table a little bit to the left, a little bit to over there, to the wall, and the center focus started becoming teaching and preaching. And, and don't get me wrong, we still need teaching and preaching, and at Cobblestone, you're going to get it. But, but sometimes we just need to make it communion, and we need to talk about it for a minute. So I want you to, if you have a Bible, turn it to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. one of my favorite verses. And I'm going to just give you three things and then a little teaching and then you're going to take communion. So bear with me. But 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And 13 is the one, the love thing. If you ever got married by me, I uh, say this stuff in there. The love is patient, love is kind, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I shouldn't blah, blah, blah the Bible, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, let's not do that, right? Blah, blah, blah. All right, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So if you're a Christian, communion, the blood, the body, the wine or the juice and the bread, this should, this should have some weight, you should, you should do this. And if some of you are like, I don't even know. John told us the story as elders a while back. You know, sometimes people come up and they don't even know what to do, right? Then it's not like about what to do, but it's like they haven't, this is new to them. They just met Jesus, this communion stuff. So when you come up, 
we do it here as elders. We usually serve it. We have the bread. We have the blood. This is the body broken for you. This is the blood. Uh, and so on and so forth. And so you come and you take it. But we just do it sometimes. There's three things I want to put on you before you take communion today. There's three things that I want to set before you that I hope you come up with a prayerful heart, with, a, with an expectation when you do it. And the first, first one, and these are based out of 1313, the first one is faith. I want you to come take communion. We want you to come take communion with faith. And, 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 and the story, uh, uh, Hugh talked about it a couple weeks ago. It's a beautiful story of the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, right? 12 years. And the, and the reason I say faith in this one, because if you look at communion, you can just take it. And you can be like a lot of people around Jesus. They were touching Jesus, touching Jesus, nothing, 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 nothing. So Jesus even says, who touched me, right? You remember his disciples said, well, what do you mean who touched you? You're in a crowd. Everybody's touching you. The thing that Jesus recognized is the person that touched him with faith. She came, she touched him with faith, even so much so that Christ even looks and he says, as Craddock said, or as Hugh said, he said, what's your name? He called her out. And then he says what? Your faith has made you well. So what I really am challenging you, church, just not sit and just be, when you take communion, when you worship, when you go, do these things with faith. I need a touch from Jesus. Touch me, Jesus. And come with that expectancy. It's okay when you take communion. So I, I do, I, that's the first one. Faith. Approach the things of God with faith because it moves him. It moves him. You gotta hear me. Faith moves him, right? Word says it's impossible pleasing without faith. Faith moves him. The second one, hope. Come when you take communion. Come with hope. We live in a hopeless world right now, don't we? Are you guys, I mean, <laughs> watch too much news. It is hopeless. But as Christians, remember, faith, hope, and love. These remain. Faith, hope, and love. So come with hope. And Romans 15, just listen to me. You don't even have to turn there. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope. He is the God of hope. And here's what I believe he wants to do. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So honest talk, some of you feel hopeless. My hope is you take communion today and you get real with Jesus and you just tell him, I don't have hope. I, you just said scripture that the Holy Spirit is supposed to fill me with hope. And I don't feel hope. I don't feel hopeful. I don't know what to hope, right? So once again, you take communion in faith. And then you come up here and you take, you take the elements of communion and you take them in hope. And you get real with God and say, Lord, give me hope. Let me live in hope. Let me have these things that, I, that we re read about in scripture. And the third, the third one, guys is love. It's love. It's a beautiful thing. And I want you to come today with a prayer in your heart when you take communion. And I want you to receive the love that he has for you. I want you to receive, to feel, to experience the love he has for you.
And this is possible. So, and Romans 8, 37 through 39 says it this way. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor nothing present, nothing to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that cool? That's a guarantee. So when I'm taking this, and, and I'll read this in a minute in, in Corinthians. When I'm taking this, I'm declaring I'm under and I'm in that type of love. I'm declaring that that love's on me. He's with me. I'm, I'm, there's no, I, can't, I can't lose it. And I walk in that. And that'll change the way you think, that kind of love. It does. It just does. You're like, man, this guy's excited about communion, right? <laughs> like, man, he's super fired up about communion. But I am. I am super fired up about communion. It's been something I've been studying. It's been something I've been listening to. It's been something that I'm like, this is so cool about communion because Jesus' disciples did it. And we get to do it. And it's kind of, I don't want to go into a full lengthy teaching, but it's a past, present, future thing. Because if you read about communion, Jesus is like, we're go he's going to do this down the road and we're going to eat together. So the table, and I have friends. <laughs> Here we go. Better dead. And I take communion in hope that I will see them. Because they are a part of this. Isn't that beautiful? So, if you have your Bible, this is important to read and study and listen. And, because there is a truth to communion. <laughs> and Paul wrestles with the Corinthians on a lot of things. But he really brings it in in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you have a Bible, turn that there. And he, he's correcting, as Paul does so often, in love. But they were having communion issues some bad attitudes, some drunkenness, and so on and so forth. But 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, this is what I want, to, want us to read. For I received, did I give enough time? All right, good. Stacy, did I give enough time? Thank you. She's nodding. <laughs> I get excited and I keep going. All right, Corinthians 23, 11, 30, 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. And I, I thought, man, there's, listen to this. I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you. Like Paul took communion. Paul took communion. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's what, that's, these are the other things I'm putting on you. When you take this today, do this in remembrance of him. Okay. In the same way, took the cup after supper, saying, this cup, the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There's weight on that, isn't there? For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, or drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we do this today, you're proclaiming that. You're proclaiming who he is, his death. You're proclaiming, you're standing with this. This is, the, this is so covenantal here. I'm not even sure that's a word, but it's so much of a covenant, right? Now, 
Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. It's so serious that there's a warning to it. There's a, there's a weight to this. There's a warning. There's a don't do it, if you will. There is. And, and we get away from this, but that's why I think Paul put so much weight on this. And I think as cobblestone elders, we want to put weight on this as well and stand on this. So he says, let a person, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I ask you to do that today. I've seen this. This is to bring conviction. This is so serious. You look at yourself right now and ask some tough questions. Am I submitted to God? Am I in some unrepentant sin? Am I, and I'm, I, we all have sinned. Don't get me wrong. And, but, but are you repenting and confessing and working through things? How are you living? Take this serious. And if, you, and if you're like, man, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm in sin and I'm happy there, don't take communion today. Please don't. Deal with that. Talk to God. Work that thing out. Get right with the Lord. If you're super bitter, angry, unforgiving on someone or something, deal with it. It's okay. It's okay. You don't, we're not judging you. We actually don't have cameras zooming in on who took communion. And maybe it's a conversation you need to have with your wife. Maybe it's a conversation you need to have with your husband. Maybe it's a conversation, kids, you need to have with a friend. Maybe, right? You, here's the coolest part. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit knows. And conviction is a gift from the Holy Spirit for you and I. And it stirs. Let it stir. Sometimes we're like, I don't like that. You should like that. That's God's work trying to make you holy and sanctified. That's the power of this stuff. I don't know all your guys' weak areas, but he does. And he knows. And he wants to help. It's a help. He doesn't want to just make you embarrassed. He wants to work in you, work through you, and help you, and heal you, and convict you. That's what he does. Praise God for that. Anyways, this is why many, and he's a warning, this is, this is not preached very, very often. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So it's part of the loving father process is to discipline us. But real, the real hope of communion is that you look at yourself. You repent of the things you, you're living in and struggling with. And you get right with the Lord. And then you come and take communion. It's good to see you all here. I love seeing your faces. I was just sitting here watching everybody walk by and just... Like Jeremiah, I like to cry a lot as well. Uh, but it does. It's just, there's power in the body gathering together uh, and the unity that the Lord creates within us. Amen? Amen. And just the, the power of communion and how it is with us and the Lord, but it also brings us together. It's how we unite as one body is the, it's because of what Jesus did. So I just want to start by saying, man, I'm so blessed to see you all this morning. We as elders truly do love each and every one of you. We pray for you. Uh, we're here for you. And, and we're honored to do so. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just felt, feel the Lord in that, man. Uh, so I'm going to get moving before I get too emotional. But so this morning... I want to talk about um, 
So last week, John talked on, right? We are no longer bound to sin. Do you guys remember? Do we have to sin? Do you guys remember that? Do we have to sin? No. Will we sin? Yeah, yeah, right? Because we're being sanctified. We're in the process. So one thing I want to do is follow up with that and say, okay, if I don't have to sin, then how do I not sin? What, do, what can I do in my life to keep me from sinning? So that's what I want to talk about today. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's going to be, I hope I keep it very simple. Uh, my goal is to keep it simple and give you one practical thing that you can start doing today. And no, this is not a sales pitch. Give you one practical biblical thing that you can start doing today, and we're actually going to do it together that biblically will help you sin less. And our goal is not sinning less. Our goal is to walk with the Spirit more, right? Um, Sometimes we get so focused on, I don't want to sin, I don't want to sin, we keep sinning. Whereas if we focus on the Spirit, we stop sinning. Um, So I want to start reading. Uh, We're going to read a lot of Scripture. Romans chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 17, and before I do that, I want to pray, Uh, because I just want to focus my mind and just, yeah, just be focused on Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here with us. I thank you, Father, that you promised where two or more are gathered in your name that you are there. So we can have faith and expectancy that you are here. And wherever you are, God, you do great and mighty things. And so I just ask, Lord, that you would do what only you can do in this place. Lord, let my words be from you. And anything that I say that's not from you, let it fall away. Lord, I I just, I thank you that you have done the work for us, Jesus, that you defeated sin. I thank you that you provided a new nature. Those are things we can't do, and you've done it for us. So we thank you for it. And I just pray as we open your word, Lord, hearts would be changed, that lives would be changed, that all of us would be transformed and have revelation knowledge of your word, that we would look more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to... Romans chapter 8, 1 through 17, and we heard this first verse from John last week, which was awesome, Um, but uh, here it is. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who who are in Christ Jesus, who in this place say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, wow, hmm. okay, weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son, Jesus, I added Jesus, his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And I want to clear, it's not that we fulfill it, it's that He's fulfilled it and imparted it to us. Amen? It's that free gift. Hallelujah. 
who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. This is an important uh, verse for our talk today. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. I just want to stop and say, thank you, Father, for bringing your life into us. Amen? He brings life into our mortal bodies. Verse 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors, debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the uh, Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Amen and amen. And as I was uh, preparing for this, or just thinking about um, today, as Jeremiah mentioned, I had felt, uh, and, and Andrew had felt as well at different times, that we should move communion. And I just thought it was so amazing because the more I thought about it, Guys, the, the reason that we are no longer bound to sin is because of who? Jesus. All of this starts with Jesus. Like I said, Jesus is the one who destroyed sin. Jesus is the one who provided a new nature. Jesus is the one who makes us holy. Jesus is the one who makes us righteous. Jesus. It's Jesus. And so this whole thing has to start with Jesus, right? And it's what John talked about last week. Jesus broke the power of sin. And so what is our role, right? What, how do we then not sin, right? How do we live according to the Spirit so that we can have life and peace and not death? Uh, we see this uh, in Romans 8. Five. Well, this is the why. But if you, let me back up. If you um, look at Romans 12, chapter 1 and 2, we're not going to turn here, but I want you to write these down. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. And like I said, Romans 8, 5 through 8. I'm going to repeat those for you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
Colossians 3, 1 through 3, and Romans 8, 5 through 8. These scriptures clearly point out that our responsibility is to renew our mind, to set our mind on things of God. This is how we sin less. This is how we not just sin less, but this is how we walk in the things of God. This is how we walk in love. This is how we walk in peace, grace, forgiveness, gentleness, right? We, we set our minds on the things of God, the things of the Spirit. Uh, Paul, if, if, as you read through those verses, you'll realize Paul is big on renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. Setting your mind on things above. Uh, and I want to read uh, Galatians. If you want to start turning there, I want to read Galatians 5, verse 16 through 24. I'm going to get there in a minute, but I'm going to give you time to turn. It's Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 24. But the thing is, why is Paul so big on renewing our minds, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit? Because he knows that, okay, right? We talked about Jesus already gave us a new creation, a new spirit, a new, right? We see that in the old, I think it's Ezekiel, where it talks about he'll give you a new heart, heart of flesh. He gives us a new spirit, right? Well, we need to renew our mind, right? He even gives us the mind of Christ so that we can think like Jesus. So Paul realizes, okay, if we want to walk in this new way of life, we have to think differently. That is the thing that you and I can control. We can control the way we think, right? Jesus took care of what you cannot control. We take care of what we can control, and that's our mind. And so when you begin to think like the Spirit of God, think like God, think according to His Word, your life begins to look different. Amen? Your life begins to look so much different. Uh, we're going to read Galatians 5, but I want to give you a couple other verses to write down. I'm not reading a lot because I want to keep this short. I want us to practice this together. And I want to keep this super simple. Uh, so write down Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And I want you to go read those. Um, and, and as we're about to see in Galatians, you're, in those uh, verses, you'll see what the Spirit of God produces. What the Spirit of God, what His fruit looks like. And those are the things that you should see in your life. Let's go ahead and read Galatians 5, 16 through 24. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So here we go. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember we read, 
The things of the flesh, the, the walking in the flesh leads to death. That's what Paul's saying. If you do these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So I want to ask you a question. I want you to be very honest with yourself. Which list do you find you most often think about? Which list do you most often live out? It's a very important question because this tells you where your mind is set upon. Are you set on the spirit or are you set on the flesh? Are you walking in things of the kingdom of God or are you walking according to the things of Satan and his kingdom, right? What's your desires? Do you desire the kingdom of God and his things more than the things of the flesh? It's a battle we're in. What do you find yourself desiring more often? And this is important to remember, there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. So no matter where you find yourself this morning, there is hope for you. There is hope for me, right? And so what we need to do is if that is us, that we say, well, I think more about uh, how much I hate someone or how bitter I am towards someone or lustful thoughts or I look at lustful things or in lustful relationships, well, then what we need to do is repent and turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, help. Because again, we're going to control the things we can and let Jesus deal with the things that he does, right? So my ability is that through the Holy Spirit, I can come to Jesus and say, or I come to the Father and say, Father, I'm sorry. I see these things and I don't like them, and I know they're not of you. Help me. And guess what he does? Helps us. Amen? All right. So we see the why do we set our minds on things of the Spirit. It's because... We want to live according to the Spirit. We want to have eternal life. We want to walk in the things that God has for us. That's our why, correct? Does everybody agree with that? Okay. Now, how? How do we set our minds? Do we just, like, oh, come on, mind, come on. How, how do we set our minds on things of God? And this is hopefully going to be so simple, you're like, wow, this is really what he taught on today? Because that's how I felt all week. I'm like, Lord, is this really? This is it? Okay, this is it. Cool. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you what I do. And I like to, I won't say I do this every day because I don't. But this is something I do often. There's three things that I think about. I think about who God is. And I take scripture of who God is. And I say it out loud and I think about it. I talk to God about it. The second thing is what Jesus has done. It's communion. It's what we just talked about. I think about, I meditate on, I talk to God about what Jesus has done for me. And because of what Jesus has done, because of who God is, I then think about who I am in Christ. 
See, again, it's got to start with who he is. Because if he's not who he is, then I'm not who he says I am. But because he is who he is, because Jesus did what he did, I am who I am. And you are who you are in Christ. Amen? And so I encourage you that if you don't have a way that you meditate on Scripture, that you think about the things of God every day, take what I do and apply it to your life today. And again, this is not a sales pitch, but I promise you, if you do this and you discipline yourself, you will notice a change in your life. I promise it. It's a principle. It's a kingdom principle. What you sow is what you reap. Whatever you put into yourself is what's going to come out of yourself. And so if all you're doing is filling yourself up with garbage, guess what's coming out? Garbage. If you're like, man, why can't I start doing this thing over and over again? Well, what are you putting into yourself? Right? Put in the Word of God. Put in the Word of God. Talk to the Word of God. And so this is what this looks like, okay? And he, you should have seen this sheet of paper on your seat. There's more on the round table back by the sound booth if you need one. But we are literally going to do what I do when I talk to the Lord. And we're going to do it together. And you're going to see, wow, really, that's, that's it? Yes, this is not a difficult thing. See, the difficult, the difficult part about renewing our mind is the discipline to do it. Renewing your mind is actually easy because it's the power of God in His Word and in His Spirit that transforms our life. We just have to open up our mouths and say the truth. See, faith comes by what? Hearing. How do we hear it if we don't say it? And it's amazing how much it actually increases our faith more when we say it versus just listening to someone else say it. And this is why, I'm, honestly, I'm almost done with my teaching. You guys are like, all right, yes. But, th- but honestly, this is my point. I wanted this to be super simple. I felt like, I should say, I felt like the Lord wanted this to be super simple. And I wanted to be practical. And studies show that we all learn by hands-on, Right? versus me just sitting up here telling you who you are in Christ. I want to equip you how to tell yourself who you are in Christ every day. So take the sheet, if you have it. And it's going to be difficult. So just follow along. All right, repeat after me. I renounce the lie that I am rejected. Unloved or shameful. In Christ, I am accepted. God says, I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with Him. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint, a holy one. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been forgiven of all my sins.
I am complete in Christ. I renounce the lie that I am guilty. Unprotected, alone, or abandoned. In Christ, I am secure. God says, I am free from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from all condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ in God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I can find grace and mercy to help in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. We're almost there. I renounce the lie that I am worthless, inadequate, helpless, or hopeless. In Christ, I am significant. God says, I am the salt of the earth. In the light of the world, I am a branch of the true vine, Jesus, a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am a personal, spirit-empowered witness of Christ. I am a temple of God. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am a fellow worker with God. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am not the great I am, but by the grace of God I am what I am. Isn't that amazing? So here's the thing. Some of you are like, well, I didn't feel anything. That's, you don't have to feel anything. It's not about feeling something. What you just did is you took the word of God and you planted seeds in your spirit, in your spirit, man. You just renewed your mind to what God says, not according to what the... Did, did you feel the flesh creeping up in any of what we just said? No, because that's of the spirit of God, not of the flesh. And literally, I take this home. And if you don't... I, 
what I like to do too is I, I have three by five note cards and I just have stacks of them where I just write scriptures of who scripture says I am, what God says about me, what God says who he is, right? What, what Jesus has done for me and I just I flip through them and I just read them and I think about them and I talk to God about them. Sometimes I'll sing them. I would encourage you, if you love to sing, sing the word of God. It's a great way, even if you're a terrible singer, who cares? Sing the scriptures. It's a great way to renew your mind to what is true. And, and, and instead of renewing your mind to the garbage that's on the radio, renew your mind to the truth of God's word. Amen? And it's literally, I'm going to stop talking here in a second because it's literally that simple. That's it. So worship team, you can come up. It's literally that simple. And like I said, if you have a way that you already renew your mind, keep doing it. Keep doing it. What I wanted this to be is for those of us who are like, man, how do I stop sinning? John says I'm preached on, well, I'm no longer bound to it. Why do I keep falling into it? Well, Romans 8 shows us that if we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, we will not, well, we'll sin less, right? Right? And so this is it. This is it. Do this. If you do this, I promise you'll see fruit. Uh, and I want to encourage you, uh, we do a connect group. Uh, if you're not a part of a connect group, get a part of a connect group. Sign up for a connect group. But um, we did one on who we are in Christ. I did one uh, last year, and we're going to start it back up this fall. So if you, this is stuff that you're interested in, learning who you are in Jesus, growing and renewing your mind, growing in identity, uh, l- let me know because we're going to start back up a connect group where it's all about who we are in Jesus and what he has done for us. And so I just want to pray. And then we're going to get back into worship. The prayer team's going to come up. Um, and if you need prayer, do not leave without getting prayer. Um, yeah, so let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that, Lord, these, the kingdom of heaven, there's so much to it. But Lord, there's so many simple things that we look over every day. There's so many simple things that you say, if you'll do this, you'll begin to walk more like me. And we we complicate things. And we try to add too much knowledge to it and, and make it so difficult to understand when really, Lord, it's very simple. That if we just think upon your word, talk to you about your word, read your word, sing your word, Speak your word out loud. Think upon your word. It changes who we are. And so, Father, I just pray that this one simple practical step would help at least, if it's just one person in this room, it's worth it, Jesus. So, Father, I just pray that you would help us to do the difficult difficult part of being faithful and disciplined to renew our mind to your word to set our minds on things above and not on things below. Father, I pray that you would put inside of us such a hunger for your word, a hunger to meditate and to think upon your word to change us. Lord, that we wouldn't walk in the ways of the flesh, but we would walk in the ways of the spirit. Father, we want to live lives that are pleasing to you and holy to you. And you've given us that simple thing that we can do to live this out. So Jesus, we thank you.
you're not trying to complicate things and make this difficult for us. You've made it very easy for us to just set our minds on you by thinking upon your word. And so I pray that we'd be a people that do it. Lord, I pray as we enter into worship again and ministry time, I pray that you would put on the hearts of your people not to leave if they need prayer, God. You know the needs of your people and you want to meet them. Father, you know financial needs. You know physical needs. You know mental needs. You know uh, financial... Lord, you know all the needs and we know that you're the provider. You are God, our provider. And so I just ask, Lord, that you would do some miracles in this room right now as we pray and worship you. You're the God of the impossible. So we love you, we praise you, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.